0: All right
1: Hello and welcome to a new episode of What's New in Adapted Physical Education. I am your host, Scott McNamara. As always, I have uh, some amazing guests this time from across the globe joining me in my office for the first time in quite some time. I'm recording a podcast in my office, not in my basement. So hopefully my audio is coming in okay because I actually brought all my office stuff to my my house and I'm just now realizing. But anyways, uh, I'm very, very proud. I got two wonderful representatives um, from Europe and some great researchers and scholars uh, in the field of adaptive physical activity. And they are here to talk about the field of adaptive physical activity, as well as the Association ISAPA, the International Symposium of Adaptive Physical Activity. So I'm really, really happy. And just before I introduce them, we did have Dr. Martin Block come on and talk about this concept a few years ago. So I'm really happy to kind of bring it back, especially now from a European perspective. So with that, uh, we have POLI and we have We and they are both representatives is the chair of the organizing committee, and Kwok is a member of ISAPA, helping him out. Thank you again uh, for coming on and and meeting with me. Um, I know there's some big time differences, so uh, you know, it's early in the morning, it's still dark out here, and I'm sure over there it is, you know, getting close to to dinner time. So thank you very much for, for joining me. Yeah, Thank you very much, Scott.
0: I'm I'm honored to be asked to be on your podcast.
1: <laughs> well, no, thank you very much, and, and and again, thank you for all the work that you're doing to put ISAPA on. And uh, and ISAPA this year is going to be in June, and it's going to be online, correct?
0: Yes, it will be the first time in the history of ISAPA.
1: Yes. That's it'll be a big endeavor. We can go may, maybe a little bit more in depth on, on some of those pieces in a little while. Uh, and I've been to ISAPA before. I had a tremendous time. Uh, so I'm really excited for the listeners to kind of get to know more about ISAPA and the people that are putting it on. So can you both tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with ISAPA?
0: Yeah, sure. If, if I start, I'm the older guy here compared to Quok. So yeah, my name is Pauli Rintala. I'm the so I'm I'm the professor of adapted physical activity at the Faculty of Sport and Health Sciences in Uppsala, Finland, University of Uppsala. And you know I, you know, family is so important to me that I want to introduce my family. I have a have a wife, been married for th- almost thirty eight years. I have three children and five grandchildren. So. Those are the the personal (laughs) credits for me. And I like to be physically active, mainly endurance types of activities if I have time and when I have time. That's (laughs) for the short (laughs) introduction.
1: That's awesome. I You know, I love that you just brought up your family because I feel like when I talk to all these academics out here, and he asked them a little bit about their self. That's always about, you know, my research interest. All these, mm, things.
0: yeah. So that
1: yeah. it's refreshing. Can you also talk a little bit before we go to Quack a little bit about how you uh, got involved initially with ISAPA?
0: Yeah, that's that's I don't know. It's a, it's a long time ago, so <laughs> I need to refresh my memory. But I, I was kind of preparing for this question, so I. I was a graduate student at Oregon State University in the late, late 80s, where I did my PhD, finishing 1990. And over those three years in Corvallis, Oregon, my supervisors, John Dunn and Jeff McCubbin, were, were thinking of, okay, we should probably attend the next ISAPA, and that happened to be in Berlin. At that time, it was West Berlin because Germany hadn't been united yet. So, you know, they they invited me and we, we prepared the, my first uh, presentation for the ISAPA for 1989. And that's how my, my care, career as an ISAPA regular at, attendee started. And... Well, I have to say that I'm proud of it that I've been attending every one of it since that. So it's been the going to be the 17th ice sample for me this June. So here we are.
1: <laughs> wow, that's a lot. 17th. Mm.
0: That's
1: I want. I wonder what the record is right now. So it's hard to, get, to go to them all. So
0: it's. I know it's hard to beat. You may ask some older guys too, <laughs> who might have been more often, but well, yeah. it is it is something I sometimes surprise myself just thinking of it that well time time has passed That's as it awesome. goes very quickly.
2: Yeah, it's very hard to follow on from this. I mean, I'd almost feel like you know, to be seated in the back is great to listen to Pauli and to talk about the uh, the the ASAPAs that he's been to. Um, uh, so, well, since I've got the mic, I'll just introduce myself briefly. Um, um, my name is Kwok. Um, I also have a daughter. Um, I don't have um, a, a pet anymore. We had a dog at some point, and my wife also. Um, is, is another researcher but um, I suppose I've been a, a student with Pauli um, for my PhD as well as even for my master's uh, thesis so we've been been working together for just over 10 years or something um, mm-hmm. and uh, and and from that my first ISAPA was from the masters um, in, in Jävle and in Sweden and uh, yeah, I got a good recommendation from Powerly to, to attend it and as a volunteer as well, because they were they had a volunteer program. Um, and, uh, and I've been wanting to stay involved in that since then. There's been a few other conferences happen at the same time because my kind of background is quite diverse. So I've, I've missed a few on the way. I've not been as regular as with Powerly, but certainly since 2015, I've been attending them regularly. And um, yeah, but I mean, you know, that's, uh, that's just the recent times. I think, uh, you know, it's, it, it's uh, be really interesting to hear from Pauli some more.
1: Yeah, no, uh, and I've only gone to one. I went in 2018 when it was in Virginia. And I, you know, I had a wonderful time. That's when I met both you in person. You know, I would love to hear a little bit, just, you know, briefly, maybe some highlights or things that you've seen maybe change in the, how ASAPA look from uh, the late 80s until the 2020s.
0: Mm. Yeah, it, I think basically the conference is, is much alike wherever we are, are meeting, but I have to start from this Berlin symposium since it was very special in in many ways. First of all, I said it was before Germany united. So the the block opened just a few months after we were there. It was November 1989. And but one another thing so special about it was that the attendance was so big. Professor Gudrun who who is one of the pioneers in this field, she had been able to gather around 800 people to participate, which is still the record of the ISAPA history. And I I was dreaming of having that many people in Uvascula this coming June, but it is pretty hard even online to beat that number. And I think she was successfully... uh, uh, reaching those practitioners in germany at that time who who came who came and participated and and it's been a challenge to get even close to that but it depends where we had been meeting there's also that cultural part of the isapa since we've been trying to meet all over the world and and so far it's been successful except never been in africa in any of those countries, which we, which would be very in, interesting finding people who, who could organize it there. But elsewhere in all the continents, it's been organized over the years and and there, are, you know, there could be many stories <laughs> if I just remembered them <laughs> <they're> all <laughs> to tell you. But but basically, I think one feature of ISAPAS is that we try to be more practical than maybe some of the other scientific conferences, including scientific research, oral and poster papers, but also having people, you know, do things. And that's one special feature of ISABAS compared to maybe maybe some European College of Sports Science or, or those kind of conferences, which tend to be more scientific in, in nature. Yeah. But I guess that's what you might have on your experience, how things have been in the 2010s or last 10 years.
2: I think what I remember from Yevla yeah, in 2009 was this um, going between venues to try out different activities, and it's very familiar, similar in the other APA conferences. You know, there's a, a good focus on doing something practical, um, which is different mm-hmm. from the other academic conferences. You know, research orientated public health ones that I kind of go to, uh, which is just. You know, even even the physical activities uh, conferences, the international ones, we're we're talking about physical activity, but are we doing it? No, we're not. But in in ISAPAs we we are. We have those opportunities to do so.
0: Mm, yeah, that's that's very very true. And I also try to put things like um, uh, for participants to do their you know morning jogs or morning swimming in 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 different occasions to have those uh, sessions between, between the papers to do something very, very practical. And now thinking of our coming ISAPA in June, when it's online, that's the challenge to us. How, how can we make it any, anything practical? And I, I think we can't make it as lively as we would have liked to do if we had that on, on the face-to-face. And that's that's the pity because we I think we, we could have offered very many practical sessions from the Finnish participants.
1: Absolutely, well, thank you very much for for kind of sharing some of those stories and all these places you've been. I would you know I've only gone once, but yes, that was something I definitely saw. Uh, even though there was a good amount of research, there was a lot of practical things. I would also say. Just because of the way our field is, and maybe how small it is, um, it, you know, every time I, I go to these kind of APA ones, and I saw this at I Sapa too, it feels a little bit more like a family reunion sometimes too, which is very very nice.
0: Yeah, so, it is. I I lo- like what you said because that's how I feel too. I've been connecting with many people over the years, and we we meet on ASAPA's on a regular basis and you know you, you you develop very good contacts academically but also as friends because you feel like a family atmosphere having it smaller than than maybe some big conferences you've been attending to and so this is this is a nice nice
1: yeah. in
0: in his uppers yeah
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and I think it's so great that you get to sit, you know, across from people from all other nations and kind of discuss, you know, similar things, and then get to see those same people every few years. Um, it is wonderful. Uh, I'm going to skip to this question because I think for our viewers that, may, you know, we we get a wide realm of, of viewers. Sometimes we got practitioners, 30, 40 years, or professors, you know, with a lot of experience. Sometimes we get undergrads as well, you know, all listening in. So. You know let's let's talk a little bit about what isapa is uh, maybe what ifapa is and and maybe how these organizations help to move the field of adaptive physical activity as a whole
0: well Kwok, you might explain first this you know the ifapa compared to ISAPA so that people don't confuse with those terms since you're on the board of, of the current ifapa now,
2: Okay, sure, sure. So, mm-hmm. ifapa is the. It's interesting. We have different pronunciations. Like uh, I, I use the word uh, uh, ifapa, like if, but other people using i, like his iPhone, iPads, and stuff. So, um, but uh, anyway, uh, just excuse my uh, my dialect or accents on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, ifapa is the International Federation of Adaptive Physical Activity, and um, and they they have the biannual uh meetings which is a the symposium which is the I- ISAPA so um that's the international symposium of adaptive physical activity and it's uh it's held every two years where we ha- have our general general meetings our general assembly but also to 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 meet with researchers and practitioners um i think that's as a nutshell with that we also ISAPA uh as the international kind of Flagship event. Uh, in between those years, then there's the regional events. So there's the NAFAPA conference, the UCAPA conference, the South, uh, the ASAPA conference as well. that They are all held in the same year. So one year you're you're in a typically in a in a your own region, and then the other year you can meet together on the international stage. So that's how it kind of works in in kind of unison with the regional federations of adaptive physical activity. Um, and ifapa is is the big is the large umbrella um, organization in that. Um, so I think that's. Would you say that's a, a good definition yeah. clarification between the two? Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I mean. And I I agree with those iSapa iSapa and ifapa ifapa. So people understand, but that's how people sometimes pronounce them differently but that's that's one of the nice things we, we speak so many other languages than english and we try to get along with with english together on those international conferences and that's so that's always the the challenge for for us who are not native speakers
1: thank you all uh, and are all non-english speakers for being so patient with us in like especially <laughs> with, uh, literally no no other language uh so anyways i kind of want to know so these organizations exist right and i kind of want to know what they do uh from your from your view for the field of adaptive physical activity uh
0: well i think most most of the work is done on on local levels. So the the practitioners we, we need all all of that, and all the uh, clients or students or whatever we, we work with or who, for whom we are working, is 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 the you know the the grassroots thing, and this is more of an administrative thing trying to develop, you know improve the the research improve the the uh, applied research into practice and and all that which which really makes sense it is just that sometimes when you when you go to the meetings you don't you don't see this connection so clearly and and it it takes years to to develop things which are seen in, in practice. Except now, as you noticed, COVID-19, how quickly the vaccines came about, but but this is <laughs> very atypical what, what happened. And luckily so it happened. But you know, this this progress is, is sometimes behind the scenes. And as a researcher, you, you may not always have that contact, although. In this field, like we are, which is very applied, adapted field, we should be in, in touch. And and I I think all of you know the colleagues I know, most most of us have been or ha- have having this contact with, with the practice doing things through or via their students or as professors or or go and teach themselves and and that's why it comes closer to, to the real, I would, I would say real people who, who need that kind of services and who we want to be serving. But, but that's how I see, I, I have my role and there's a whole lot of other professionals who I'm very dependable on and want to work with them and, and develop the field together. And I think that's why, especially here in Finland, we we chose the theme of the Congress, uh, which is stronger together. And we want to emphasize the partnerships we have at many different levels, from the grassroots schools and and rehab centers and, and places like that, up to this research level university, academia, where in Finland, there's so few of us But in the states or bigger countries, that's that's the larger population and more professionals, although there. But you know, that's why we need this global orientation in order to learn from the others. Since you know, Kwok and myself are one of the few who who do research in this field in Finland. And, And that's why it is important to connect.
1: Absolutely, I think there's two major things that I took away from what you just said, and one of them is, um, ISAPA, you know, as a conference, allows us not only to, to connect uh, globally, but it also allows um, maybe that research to practitioner kind of uh, connection too, which is really cool when you're talking about, um, you know, I know when I the one I went to in uh, Virginia uh you know you we had practitioners here that were then able to meet you know Finnish uh researchers in the area which that is a really cool kind of connection that's able to be made and the other one that you said I think is that we're globally able to maybe better uh create a vision of who we are and what we want to be. Um you know I, I think about this article that I've read several times and it's uh by Claudine Cheryl and I think it's Hutzler, I think they uh, surveyed professors, I believe, in the field of adaptive physical activity across the globe and got their take on what is adaptive physical activity. And they did find that there, even though there was commonalities, there were these kind of different perspectives. And I think that, uh, and and I don't believe that they, they walked away saying, this is exactly what adaptive physical activity is or isn't, but Isapa provides this means or place to kind of have these these dialogues, Um, so it's it's very unique in my eyes.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah, you're right. And thinking of the professionals, as you mentioned, the adaptive physical activities kind of an umbrella term, which under under which there are people from the rehab, thinking of physical therapists, for example, to the other end of the continuum like Paralympic athletes. So it's a, it's a broad area where all of us can, you know, have to concentrate on what we want to do and where we are good or are interested in. But thinking of that, uh, who, who, who is able to cover or be very professional in all of those areas of, of APA, and therefore we definitely need need help and as a professor of the university we are teaching all those areas and and try to stay on 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 the top of the knowledge on all of those at least a little bit to be able to teach but still i always feel like i'm i'm short of you know the information and there's so many things you can always learn even at this stage of of the career like mine. That's why it's one of the intriguing fields. And I guess one of the reasons I originally started to concentrate on this field.
2: I think if I can follow on with that, I think what's interesting your recent podcasts. Well, um, you know, you've had this pancake effect, or you know, this discussion point of the pancake. So, what we mean by that, Paulie, is is it's mm. kind of the field spreading too thinly, and there's the jack of all mm. trades terminology, or master of none, or whatever. And it's interesting because you know we'd, uh, we we want to be if we if we're too narrow focused in something. If that's the field, the direction we're going to, and then all of our professors all become really good at that one area. Let's just say for simplistic reasons, it was BPE, APE. Then afterwards, what happens to the rest of the field? So we need to rely upon our uh, colleagues in the other areas to to network and to see their other perspectives as well. And that's where these you know networking opportunities can really help with that. And mm-hmm. and and you know if you remember back, you know, uh, 30, 30 odd years ago, you know, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have email. So it was the place to go to was these symposiums to these conferences or sending letters and publishing papers was through typewriter and you you make a mistake you take the sheet Mm. of paper where you start typing again right because there's no backspace Mm. on there or anything like that I Mm. I I don't know I mean um it's I think that this is the you know uh, this conversation discussion will always not always but it's constant it's ongoing again and we just I think our point that how he was trying to raise, and, and, I, and I, maybe I'm putting words in his mouth or something, but at least you know we 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 put ourselves in our in our in trouble if we try to have this pancake. We try to flatten out everything, but. Uh, and the way to sol- have a solution in that is have an area that you're interested in, but have a connection of people to work with. So I don't know what shape that would be. To me, it looks more like a hat. Maybe I don't know. You uh, like I've mounted a mounted and a diverse disc that you can connect with, and then they can help with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's whatever is it called, pancake or umbrella? What I I was used to <laughs> call it as a, as a APA covering many fields and and you know thinking of of the future a little bit too that you know on that ends on those ends of the continuum we have like i mentioned physical therapists and i, I would like to see more physical therapists stepping into our <laughs> toes if you will or coming closer to us because they have this this uh, rehab when you, where you use physical activity as a means of, of, of helping people to get more active in their lives and I think it's we haven't utilized that part and I know like the, talking about the conferences one big conference is called Rehabilitation International or the organization and they have their annual or biannual conferences where there are thousands of people and they are mostly physical therapists if we can get couple of hundred of them coming to Isapas sometime in, in bigger numbers, we would have this connection to the rehab area and and kind of share the what we both know the best and then coming on the common ground to develop the services for people who need them. And that's you know kind of continuation of what you were talking about.
1: You know, that, that pancake effect has been brought up now in like three podcast, three of the last like four or five podcasts. So thanks Quack for bringing that back up. You know, it's a little bit of a debate in our field too of, and I think the idea originally came from like um, maybe uh, JK brought it up and he said, you know, let's make a tower versus a pancake. But, you know, even us bringing in therapists and all these other groups, you know, I think that there is a little bit, you know, how many researchers are are there and practitioners are there in APA in in Finland? Hmm. Um, You know, in my state, in the United States, like I'm maybe one of like two kind of the professors in the area, right? Um, And there's a little bit more of a need for us, I think, to be a little bit more pancaked in our field um maybe not as much as like you know getting to the research nitty-gritty but that's why we have this big that's why we want kind of therapists to interact with that's why we want you know teachers to interact with so there's you know i think that it's it's a difficult thing for us to navigate because if there's so few of us we have to somewhat be experts in everything um to be helpful sometimes so just on that because it's something we've it's been floating in my head for the last few months on all these podcasts but
2: I'm seeing more of a bowler hat, you know, I really, I'm really thinking that we've got to do a bit of combination of two of which, you know, the, there is like an umbrella, but it's also flat as well. So, you know, for, to be able to reach out to others. So I'm starting to see that more uh, as a possibility around it, because you're right, you know, we've got to be able to cover different areas because there's so few of us. And I suppose that goes back into the way that the, the direction of, of, this field is going and how do you get the people to be the best best at this without having those experts because the experts you know the professors that are going to give the education um you know they're they're, they're going to end up being specialists in something or another uh so we need to communicate with with other professors to do that so i mean a bowler hat uh i'd like to hear that on your next podcast someone else brings that up
0: <laughs> how, how, the, how, how does it look like this hat <laughs> well, it's
2: difficult on a podcast yeah yeah We're just you waving our describe, hands
1: describe it yeah flat, flat on the sides but kind of round in the middle right yeah so oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay yeah. We,
0: we we don't wear those in finland so i i
1: was so <laughs> ignorant about it <laughs> well, so so moving forward i want to ask a little bit more um i want to ask a little bit about this year uh, so, you know, when I met you, I think I was sitting at a table with Paulie, and he was, um, went up. I didn't even know I was sitting next to the guy that was hosting the next or put in the bid and, and got the bid to host the next ISAPA. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about, you know, maybe what was planned and what it's going to be now.
0: Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's, it's been an in- interesting journey so far. And, and as we started, when we we turn in the bid, and we were given this uh, symposium, it was supposed to be as normal as 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 it can be face to face conference. And then, not not later than last year, after pandemic, we started to think, well, maybe we we ought to change it a little bit. So let's make it a hybrid type. So because not all of Participants can make it for the different restrictions, et cetera. And we were thinking, well, yeah, some people can come, some are online. But we then later last year realized that no, it won't, nobody will be able to come for sure. So we can't rely on that. So we decided, I think it was in October last year, that okay, it has to be online, no matter what people think. It's something. We have no choice, so to say. And you know, knowing my background being on those Isabas where it's done on a certain way, it's been a very big move in my my thinking. How do we put it working online? And I'm I'm so glad that Kwok and, and others, younger generation people who, who've been able to advise. And, and direct us towards how this online can work and we still have some some challenges but I think we are in a, in a good shape now less than two months to go for the opening that it, it, it's going to be great and I'm very very much looking forward to it but as I said earlier this practical part we we may need to you know drop some of the ideas we had out of it but but in many ways, and it, it has some, some good parts because many times people are short of money in, in certain, especially in certain countries. They may not have money to travel this far as we are in, in, in Nordic, Northern Europe. Plus, this opens the, the possibility for people to attend if it's online, and that's why we are... We are looking forward to have over three hundred people, which is more than I've seen in many Isapas over the years, and we'll see. But that's that's the goal to, to reach three hundred. So those are some of the things. Maybe Quok, you might have some some other ideas since you've been very very much involved in this online and how to how to run it so that it it works.
2: Yeah, I just. Probably like to add before I mentioned that that the option to postpone was really never there. Um, mainly because from from my perspective on the board of of IFAPA is that we would still only need to hold our biannual meeting, so we still needed a venue to bring together people to have a meeting. There's there's other reasons as well, but from an IFAPA perspective, you know, to postpone it was not going to be. Uh, 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 You know, something that we try to drive and make possible to say, hey, you know, there's other people that have had online conferences because we've seen other conferences that have postponed and they postponed and postponed again. You know, uh, the same way we saw the Paralympic Games being postponed. So um, but for because this was 2021 anyway, and if you remember back last year, there was some sense of optimism in the summer. Uh, that you know it will be done by the end of the year across the, the globe, many places around the globe. But then you know, there was a big dip of you know high number of cases and things like this um, in it after the summer. So certainly you know to put it online and seeing other conferences running online um, and doing a good job of it and learning from that has has given us a good idea of what what could be done and what sh- what can Isapa 21. So the first thing is is that we've kind of made sure that we've used the term online Isapa just to make sure that people are aware that it is online only. It's not hybrid. It's not going to be uh, um, face to face. It is solely and only online. So it's online Isapa 21. And um, the the you know the in terms of the. Uh, the, the lateness of decisions of what we're going to be doing has probably a little bit hampered in terms of the, the kind of announcements of what's happening because we've had a lot of uncertainty ourselves. You know, October to December to then decide that the program will be only online, you know, made us have to think a lot of things rather than getting the message out to other professors and other people, other practitioner organizations to say, hey, we're still happening. It's still happening next year. So, you know, if, if I could turn back time, I, you know, it would be nice to have had some way of having another person to keep the messaging up. And that's one of the things that we do at IFAPA in terms of the communication of trying to keep the website going with information. So it has a whole host of information. You just go to um to 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 be updated on the latest happenings of of adaptive physical activity globally. And the. The the next thing is is actually what we're doing in terms of the presentations. So uh, through the experiences of other online events, you know you can you can do things in different ways. You can do it pre-recorded, you can do it live, uh, you can do half half and half. So we're in the process of arranging that and organizing the best way to to host it. And what it means is that um, we can also focus energies upon what would try to what can make an online ESAPA be. As uh, fulfilling uh, as it would be if it's a face-to-face. So what we've tried to organise is a set of social programmes. We've had a, we've got this professional platform that we're going to use. Uh, so it's not just a set of Zoom meetings, but people can interact and network with each other. Uh, we've allocated time in our programme for uh, social programmes that will be coordinated from some of the IFAPA pr- partners. And uh, and that should be fun. I'm really looking forward to that. There's also the very first time we're gonna have a set of students um, having their social program. They're gonna look at the kind of the future of APA and how their involvement in the federation associations and and symposiums could go. Uh, Again, I'm looking forward to that as well. And and we've also split the timing, whereby we try to make it possible for people in the western part of the world can attend majority of the conference and symposium, and also in the eastern part of the world as well. Okay, some people may have to sacrifice uh, one or two hours late or early, depending where you are around the world. But you know, for two days in the in the in the year, uh, you know, hopefully it's not too much to ask for to, mm-hmm. so people can still fully attend the 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 symposium. So I think that's uh, just a brief overview of that.
1: And as you said, you know, I've the conferences I've gone to now that are online from last summer to now uh, have been drastically different. So as you said, you've been learning uh, how to do these things. And it sounds like you're offering a lot of different options, just so um, to make it clear. If I'm a Westerner and I'm and I am attending a little bit later in the day, will I have access to the presentations that happened earlier in the day? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we will. You know, those
0: uh, presentations are, are pre-recorded and they will be available for two weeks. Hopefully, a little bit ahead of time too, but but at least for after the conference, if if you miss something, so. You don't need to sacrifice your whole whole night for the conference.
1: And that's that's kind of a major positive there, too, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm that type of, uh, quote unquote, nerd sometimes that, you know, I have two presentations that I want to attend that are conflicting. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so you can go and observe them, too, which is that that's a nice positive. You know, I, I want to start talking about how you all see ASAPA uh in the future but you know what my my first question on that is do you see or predict that this online format might be something that's utilized in the future in some way
0: Uh, it's hard to predict the future as you know but i think it it will stay in a way or the other and the more we have experiences of these online conferences the more we can pick up those good things out of it, which we already see some, some of them happening uh, if we want it or not, but it, it is there. And I don't know how, how this hybrid model for the future is. Is it too uh, labors for the organizers to have them both? Because if, if I'm thinking now... It would have been too much to organize everything as, as normally face to face here and, and beyond that also have that online option. But but this this could be the idealistic, the hybrid model, if I think with this knowledge I have now. But Quok, you, you have this younger mind and and <laughs> fresher brain, so you might have some other ideas <laughs> for the future.
2: A younger mind fresher brains might not necessarily <laughs> be the best sometimes, but certainly, um, well, one thing, you know, a pre-announcement, it's already publicly known, so it's not like I'm giving away a secret, but the, the next ISAPA will be a hybrid version. they were already designed it, this was even before COVID, when they won the bid, it was based on it being a hybrid so we certainly see this is a, a future uh, possibility, mainly because you know we have to look at what we call the uh, sustainable development goals and the environmental impact of travel. So, um, and also making it more accessible for people. So this, the next uh, one after this, it will be in New Zealand. And so uh, this can bring a lot of challenges to many people in the Northern hemisphere, as well as people that are completely opposite side of the planet like us in Finland so um you know for us it would be really good to be there but people who are closer if they if if they don't want to then they don't have to and also we then have to think about the environmental impact so so there's there's a, a very interesting system that they're looking to to create it's um it'll be hosted by um a past president, Claire Brosier, as well as with um, a person based in New Zealand. And um, yeah, that that would be, I think it's probably helped in their favor of trying to get people to attend even the next ISAPA because of this experience online. And it just so happens to fall in place in that way. Um, but um, even, even before that, I think the, the general challenge has always been and will be is to get the mindset of doing the practical practice online virtually so what do we do with the people that are on the hybrid side that are on the virtual side that are going to try to update their skills or try to get some practice learn about some of the new ideas that they get when they're in that gymnasium or when they are outside or when they are you know communicating and seeing different different people um that's that will be the challenge, and hopefully the technology will be ready for that. You know, uh, I don't know in two years' time whether we can start using VR glasses. Uh, you know, that headsets. You know, that might be one way. This is very futuristic thinking, but the technology is out there. It's just whether we put it put it in there. I attended a virtual reality conference, where I went in and um, and yeah, it was amazing. You know, um, yeah, I mean it, it's. Uh, Technology is there, but is whether we're willing as a field to make such a thing happen. I think the challenge, the interesting one, will be the one after the next one, because the next one we know, the one after that we don't know, and we don't know whether that would, whether how the technology would be embraced in that sense. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. I think even like a broader, you know, I, I think that there's some for practitioners. I think there's some practical use to these tools nowadays too for all our practice, you know. In the US right now, all our APE, all our adaptive physical education teachers had to at some point service their students online, which is a difficult thing to do, and a lot of them still are they're doing a hybrid model. uh, And it seems that the kids with disabilities are the last ones to be fully put back into the schools and all these things. So there is, you know, there is things that but I think that there's another issue in that um, we're not maybe as a field we don't know how to we don't know how to deliver our services always in this online setting and these you know virtual reality where maybe other fields do so i think that it, it has to become more relevant to our practitioners as these online settings as the world moves forward but it does seem like these online settings and, and adaptive physical activity practitioners there's kind of a gap in that um, and how they, they're they using those mediums to kind of provide services. But, so. This question is just like, how do you, and we started talking about it. How do you see the uh, ISAPA in the field of adaptive physical activity kind of evolving in the next five to 10 years?
0: I, I think I mentioned this thing when we talked about this umbrella, as a term that we we want to reach the professionals which are very close to us in as a professional like physical therapists, and to reach that direction. And certainly, you mentioned uh, Scott, this adapted physical educators at schools, and I know in the states, especially there, are, there are many of those professionals. And and how, how do we get them into the Isapas in the future. I know they they probably go to Shape Conference, which is a great for practitioners in the states. But how 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 can we reach as Isapas? How what do we offer such things that we 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 uh, intrigue, get those uh, physical therapists and AP teachers to to participate? And that's, that's something I, I think. Where we have room for extension, as in, in numbers, and also in the sense that the knowledge base, which brings something to us, what we already have, that those things come in my mind. This this shortly.
1: Absolutely, and I think that in the space of ISAPA, you all um, provide that research to to practice kind of gap. And I I wanna highlight real quick before we kind of get going, ISAPA has a wonderful kind of like social media presence where they're always sharing. And that's where I honestly often see the new research happening in our field um, is through that. So, you know, those, I think that it provides a great medium to access those things for practitioners and that practitioners need, need to use more research and researchers need to use more practitioners to better understand the layout of the field so mm-hmm. i think those are great ways uh, any other last thoughts
2: i i kind of would like to ask you a question pauli it's uh you know which other than berlin which was your most favorite isappa
0: <laughs> if you don't <laughs> well, that, mind me asking that's that's the hard one yeah there are so so many good occasions and uh, you know, some maybe if I say that um, Yokohama, I was for my first time in Japan. It was 2003, I believe it was, and I that time I, I really connected with Professor Claudine Sherrill as, as because I, I was still still on the board and she's a long time APA. Uh, professional everybody knows her but I didn't know her personally and we had such occasions to get to know each other better and and that kind of created us to ask her as our honorary doctor for for the university later on which was happening I believe it was what was the year I forgot but it was years later that that meeting and and she was happy to come to Finland and, and receive this honorary doctorate. And, and, you know, she's been my... my I've been her fan ever since I met her first time, 1990. And, and it's a pity that, you know, we get older and we, we kind of step step down from, from these isabas. And, you know, but those are the good memories for me. But many other occasions as well but maybe since you asked i mm. i picked this up now
2: oh very good yeah i didn't mean to put you on the spot I just <laughs> no problem. nice nice to hear that
1: absolutely and yeah dr Claudine cheryl is a person that's brought up on this podcast quite quite a lot i never had the pleasure of meeting her sadly but the stories mm. and her yeah her uh, her legend continues so um Well, thank Mm. you both for coming on. Uh, You know, the sun's rising here, so I'm gonna get on with it. Great, great.
0: Sun is sun is up here still for a few more hours.